0: Every single bit of the frieze is in the wrong place. So you go into the British Museum, room 18, and you just don't see what was the original there. Now this is my purism, my archeological purism. I'm offended by the fact that the BM's display is a travesty of the original.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's pod. My name's Oliver Webcarter, I'm the editor and your host, and today is a bit of a controversial one. It's the Parthenon marbles, aka the Elgin marbles, or the Parthenon sculptures, whatever you like, and their return to Athens. Listeners, there may be some of you out there who will agree, some will disagree, and some may not care. And to all of you, you're very welcome, because the debate itself is interesting. Now, from my own perspective... I want them returned because the marbles are as important to Greece as Stonehenge is to us here in Britain. They are the soul of Greece and, for that reason, distinct from other repatriation cases. My guest for this discussion is Paul Cartledge, ancient historian, classicist, and author of countless books, including Alexander the Great, The Spartans, Thermopylae, Democracy, and most recently, Thebes. He's a regular contributor to the BBC's In Our Time and is Vice Chair of the British Committee for the Reunification of the Parthenon Marbles. Also joining is historian and broadcaster Dr Tessa Dunlop, who many of you will know from this pod, and who recently joined GB News for an entertaining discussion on the marbles' return. I've put links to what we refer to in our chat, so do check them out. Coming up, plenty more history including the CIA and MI6, the real special relationship, Great British commanders, Tom Holland joins me for a chat on Ancient Rome, and I talk with Paul Lay about Oliver Cromwell's rule post-Civil War. Until then, I'm going to hand you over to me, talking with Tessa Dunlop and Paul Cartledge. Hello listeners, just a quick note from Ollie here. I wanted to let you know that this is part one of a discussion on the Parthenon marbles, and as you'll hear, pretty one-sided, I will be inviting on a guest to discuss the other point of view – and so he and I will obviously be in disagreement and I wanted to let you guys know that so that you can see that I'm being fair. Anyway, I'll hand you back to me, Paul Cartledge, and Tessa Dunlop. Welcome Tessa Dunlop, an old friend, a rather frequent occurrence on the show. Thank you for joining me. And then Paul Cartlidge, This is a real honour for me, Paul, I've read so many of your books, and a distinguished classicist and citizen of of Sparta as well. Honorary. (laughs) Honorary citizen of Sparta.
0: Great to meet you, Ollie, and hi, Tessa. Hello. And
1: today we are talking about the difficult subject for some, difficult for some, very easy for us three, I think. Difficult for some subjects of the Parthenon marbles, also known as the Elgin marbles. And we are talking about this because it's a bit of a slam dunk with all three of us. I think we are all agreed they should be returned instantly to the Acropolis Museum in Athens. But so we are all agreed. So I I thought we could kick off with just if I ask each of you the strongest reason you think for returning the marbles. And I'll kick off with you, Tessa.
2: Me, hey, heavens, I thought you were going to go to, to the world's leading expert, Paul, <laughs> who's, I think, spent most of his adult life campaigning for them to be returned. For me, funnily enough, I came at it from a totally different angle. I'm in no way a classicist, uh, I'm not qualified like Paul, but I have spent a lot of time um, uh, examining Britain's relationship specifically with Romania, but more broadly, the sort of Balkan rubric into which Greece f- fell uh, from the 19th century onwards. No longer was it sort of the pin-up of Hellenic ideals, but this uh, a very different idea, a sort of perfidious, inconvenient little country Um, that uh, behaved really little better than Bulgaria or Romania, unless, of course, you were Lord Byron. And of course, it was during this period that Elgin hacks off great chunks of Greek's finest uh, ancient artwork and and, and dumps it over in Britain, uh, where it becomes the property of our government. And I felt that this was a bit of a trigger for me to re-examine the way in which we've belittled that side of Europe. I mean even I came across it doing a a recent light piece on on Elizabeth and Philip and you know he was the perfidious Greek, he was Phil the Greek. This was a derogatory (laughs) term when at the same time and forgive me but I've just got back from my holiday, I was reading Oscar Wilde and there is Lord Henry, an Etonian no less, thinking that Dorian Gray's beauty is Hellenic, is all that is something to be revered, the ideal no less. And I, I think we need to look at the two versions of Greece we've got and recognize that us holding captive this exquisite artwork is, is us being locked into an idea that we're somehow a better version of Europe than the other side of Europe, than the Greeks and, and the Bulgarians and the Romanians. And I, and I, and I think on, on just on that standing alone, we need to get them the hell out of the British Museum and back to their homeland and into that exquisite museum.
0: Right. I thought that was brilliantly put, Tessa, because it is, I think, ultimately what lies behind both the British government and successive British governments and the British Museum trustees. Why do people become trustees of the British Museum? Because they have a certain sense of Britishness. And for some reason, they think, I'm British, of course, that we are in some sense superior culturally, that in some sense we have not just held these objects, but uh, somehow enhanced them because they so long have been in the British Museum. I should just add that there are other bits and pieces in Paris, in um, Austria, in uh, Italy. There are pieces dotted around still, which ideally ought also to go back to the uh, Acropolis Museum. But my own personal take is of course, very different in origin. It is that I am a classical archeologist. I was trained in Oxford and I did an archeological doctorate under John Boardman. Now he is Sir John Boardman now, and he actually takes the exact opposite view of me. And he takes it because he believes the British curated these objects for a couple of hundred years. When, had they remained in Greece, they would have not um, survived in the state that they have. And in some sense, it was an act of um, international charity that Lord Elgin, by the way, our ambassador, to the Ottoman Empire, and therefore in a very prime position to, well, let's be quite frank, bribe as well as persuade, cajole the local authorities to let him and his men get access. The big issue surrounding him is what permission, i.e. what written permission, did he actually have to do anything on the acropolis which was remember a fort this is um, the ottoman empire there is a gunpowder and other kinds of uh, ammunition held on the top of the Acropolis, which is a military site. So it's as if you and I were to wander into somewhere on Salisbury Plain that belongs to the Ministry of Defense. So he has to get permission to do something. What was he given permission to do? It seems to collect from the rubble on the floor, partly there because of a huge explosion at the end of the uh, 18th century. And at the end of the 17th century, excuse me. And partly because um, he was able to, with his money, to bribe and to persuade the governor of the Acropolis to let his men hack off what he had to hack off because it was very firmly attached to the Parthenon. So I'm an academic. To me, it offends me that a uh, monument which once was entire, not by any means completely by the time Elgin got there, but a hell of a lot more than it actually is now, should have been so denatured, compounded by the arrogant colonial neo-colonial we'd say now, post-imperial we'd say now, but then imperial, remember British Empire, early 19th century, this is the Napoleonic Wars, Battle of Trafalgar 1805, the year after Elgin had removed the most uh, substantial amount of what he removed. So two points, one, academic purity, and secondly, um, international diplomacy. They're my two reasons for wanting the the marbles, all of them, not just those in the BM, but especially those in the BM, to go back to Athens. But if you take Professor
1: Boardman, he's an academic as well. I'm sure he takes just as strong a view from an academic standpoint. But we now have the Acropolis Museum. Surely that weakens his argument, argument somewhat.
0: Well, not just somewhat, but totally, because if you compare and contrast the two displays, and what I haven't yet mentioned, I'm going to mention now, the British Museum have not always curated what they have um, exactly, very um, gently. But at any rate, if you compare and contrast the two displays, there is no comparison. The uh, top floor of the new Acropolis Museum, opened in 2009, is oriented towards the Acropolis, you can actually see the Parthenon, what remains of it, up on the top of the Acropolis from the new Acropolis Museum. British Museum Gallery, it's called the Devine Gallery, named after a crook. Everyone agrees he was an art dealer, uh, Lord Joseph Devine. He gave a million pounds before the Second World War on condition that the B.M created a gallery of the dimensions of the Parthenon. So that is in common between the British Museum and the Neocropolis Museum. The relevant galleries are both of the same dimensions, length, width. But he also specified that what the BM had was to be so displayed as to make it look as if the BM had the whole damn lot of the frieze. There are three main components of the sculptures that survive. A very long frieze, 160 metres, unique in the ancient world. There are pedimental sculptures, that's the triangular bits at either end of the temple. And so when both the British Museum and the Acropolis Museum display there marbles they have the same format you've got pedimental sculptures at either end what remains of them and then thirdly what are called metopes or metopes which are relief panels along either the west and, and in fact all around the temple but principally along the east and west sides so the British Museum has more of the, uh, both the frieze and the metopes, about the same amount of the pediments. But Duveen's arrangement meant that every single bit of the frieze is in the wrong place. So you go into the British Museum, room 18, and you just don't see what was the original there. Now, this is my, puri- my purism, my archaeological purism. I'm offended by the fact that the BM's display is a travesty of the original. Um, I, that, that's, that's gorgeous, Tess. You're chomping at the bit. I can,
1: I can see.
2: Well, I do. I just want to add to Paul's purism with a bit, bit of politicking, because a lot of the sort of anxiety around returnism. I remember David Cameron sort of spluttering over the word. It gave him such a rash. The anxiety is that, you know, they won't be, or these artifacts, and it's not just, of course, um, the Parthenon marbles. There are many um, artifacts up for debate at the moment in, in, in a sort of the global museum narrative. But if you take the particular case of the Parthenon marbles, the idea somehow is that they wouldn't be looked after or they wouldn't be displayed as well as they are in the British Museum but that's been totally run asunder by this exquisite Acropolis museum in in situ with beautiful uh, Greek sunlight you know the, the, the backdrop of the Acropolis I mean, it, you just couldn't get something any better and I think how is it taking us this long to play catch up even the Vatican has given back fragments of the Parthenon recently. They've stolen a march on so-called the mother of all parliaments, the British great democracy. <laughs> and I go back to this idea that we think we're somehow better than the East of Europe. Lord Patton was on um, Question Time last week and he sort of said in astonishment, oh the 20% of Poland that's the poorest over there are, are less poor than 20% of Britain's poorest. This was quite phenomenal that it could have happened. I'm like, wake up and smell the coffee, mate. You know, actually, Greece is no longer fighting a civil war. We no longer need some blunderbuss like a modern day Winston Churchill to sort them out. You know, it's a modern functioning democracy in the eu thank you very much actually it's easier to access the parthenon museum uh, as part of a country in the eu than it is to get into the british museum nowadays thanks to brexit it's a slam dunk so you've got the purism that is paul's academic argument and you've actually got this political narrative which i think diplomatically would help britain we're on a bit of a sticky wicket at the moment and this sort of private secret talks that george osborne's going in for public schoolboy, by by the way, reared on the the nipple of the Hellenic ideal. Um, that that really belongs to public school boys in England, uh, not the Greeks themselves. Um, I just don't understand why they're secret, why they're taking place in plush hotels, why it isn't part of our great democratic discussion and it isn't happening a great deal faster. It's weird and I want to know in terms of where Paul's at, because Paul, you hang out with ambassadors and you're highly revered. (laughs) Where is this conversation? All the articles in January, which now seem like ancient history, saying it was about to happen. Has anything happened since?
0: Well, in the sense that I hang out with ambassadors, only with Greek ones or or ex-ambassadors, because <laughs> a former student of mine, John Kitner, was ambassador of the UK to Britain. Now, I think he takes the wrong, i.e. not my view on this. But to be serious, George Osborne was our Chancellor of the Exchequer. He is a politician. I think he wishes still again to be a politician. And his appointment as chair of the trustees of the M is political. I'm making this point because now this is, in a sense, being kind to British governments. If you had all the time and all the choices in the world and you're preparing your next um, parliamentary session's legislative programme, would you put the Parthenon Marble's repeal act um, as one of your top priorities? Probably not. So in other words, in order for the um, marbles that are currently held in the British Museum in trust for the British nation under the terms of two acts of Parliament, In order to get them back to Athens, there has to be an act of Parliament, an act of repeal, and that's exceptionally difficult. So you could say, yes, Parliament drags its feet. Yes, it takes the wrong view. But it is actually one of those issues which, though they have great importance, you're quite right, Tessa, cultural diplomacy, now international travel. I mean, it's as crude as that because we're out of the EU Yes, there are all these issues, but on the other hand, um, getting them um, through Parliament, get, getting the issue through is particularly difficult. So, we of the British Committee, I'm vice um, chair of that for the reunification. We campaign, we campaign, campaign. It's a drip, drip, drip. More and more people are in favour of this. Every time we have a poll, more people percentage-wise say yes, they should go back. So presumably this is working through Parliament. But compared with cost of living, compared with fuel crisis, compared with Ukraine, I'm just giving three uh, examples. The Marbles issue, important though it is, is nevertheless relatively trivial. So, Paul, you're
1: showing a lot of sympathy for politicians there, which I don't think you know, <laughs> listeners will go with. I'm sorry, I apologise <laughs> if I did. Yeah, uh, but I remember but, but right, actually, Go on, Tessa. I
2: don't buy that idea of you know it, political decisions and there's a pecking order, and you know we spent hours and hours over. Fox hunting, for example. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of you could get it through on a private member's bill. There's all sorts oh, yeah. of ways.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It can happen. You're completely right. I'm just thinking that um, most of the MPs need to be educated. So our next project, the British Committee, is to have it's a big
2: series. one. Paul. And,
0: well, I think George Osborne, only's got he's only got a history degree as well,
1: which is, is sad for him, I think.
0: Well, it may be sad. I have to be a little bit careful, Tessie. You possibly don't know that I went to the same school as um, George Osborne a few years before him, and of course I read a much superior degree at Oxford. But um, these things—you mustn't be too. One well, mustn't get too personal about these things. But no, to be serious, yes, okay, a private members' bill, and we do have in the Lord's supporters, but that are very clear and declared and out. Uh, Shami Chakrabarti is just one. But on the other hand, in the Commons, there doesn't seem to be anybody as there once were. We once had MPs who were very much um, open and out and thought this was terribly important, but there aren't such people now Plus, would their party allow them to have a private members' bill? Now, present leader of the Labour Party first of all when he made a public pronouncement on it in order to be different from his predecessor Corbyn who was in favour of the reunification I'm afraid to say Starmer came out and said no we are not. Now he may and I hope he will very soon change his tune on that but um, you see what a a struggle we're up against.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I believe that uh, Starmer is a man for turning uh, yeah, once he gets right, the right. hand on the tiller and he feels his green revolution is underway, uh, the Parthenon Marbles and uh, the restitution is, is. Maybe I'm naive there, but uh, we should start our lobbying campaign. I think post haste this morning. To be honest with you, uh, the, it, it seems extraordinary to me, and I wonder here if, the, if if there isn't a sort of confusion or a bit of a panic. We've had huge conversations around the Cooenall Diamond, the Cullinan Diamonds. Uh, in it in, in the run-up to the coronation and a sort of telegraph style swedes of Britain's collections are going to be run asunder and sent overseas. And I think there's a conflation sometimes of one artifact with another artifact. Yeah. The Benin uh, bronzes are a classic case where the, the museum that they're supposedly going to be sent to if they ever get sent, and some have, have already certainly from Germany, you know, isn't going to be built, I don't think until 2025. This is a totally different, and, and there's also a huge moral debates about uh, the, the slave history and how they came about and therefore who you're rewarding with their return none of that infects the case for the Parthenon marbles. Yeah. And likewise the diamonds, who, who do they really belong to? Their genesis is, is far more controversial. So to me, uh, really in some ways, the, the restitution debates that swill around almost get in the way, trip up the purity of the Parthenon marbles case. And I wonder how we put it on its own pedestal, if you like.
0: That's a very good point. We do make, always, uh, of the British Committee, it is a unique case. We, we insist on that because otherwise people get worried that um, floodgates will open and so on. Comparability is the point you're making, which is a different one. And I suppose there, I'd say there is this uh, similarity uh, insofar as, did Elgin have any title to ownership of what he sold to the British government. Now, you might say that's all ancient history and in a way it is, but if the British government of 1816 had no legal title, (laughs) a fortiori, the present government and so on, and there's been a very recent book by, in fact, a Greek international human rights lawyer. She's based in Paris called Catherine Titi. And she's made as powerful a case as is possible to make that under international law, both then and a fortiori now, Elgin had no title. Therefore, the British government had no title. Therefore, in international law and UNESCO, All the members but Britain are united in saying that the British government should seriously undertake negotiations because their title is shaky. So to that extent, there is a comparability, but I quite agree with you. We should probably do more to stress the uniqueness, the difference of of our case.
2: So I don't think also we should shy away from the, the political narrative that this is within the EU. They are our neighbours. We are trying to build bridges here. Right, this right. is a chance, if you like, to take a lead, to, to deliver the global Britain, to deliver a vision, to reach out to our European friends, as Boris kept saying, to prove that, yes, we are no longer in the EU, but what we're still part of the sort of European conversation. And I, I, in, in some ways, I think Brexit helps the case yeah. for the Parthenon marbles.
0: Yeah, No, I agree with that, Um we are utterly with you on that, that um, international di- diplomacy, what's called soft um, imperialism or soft um, politics, certainly favour that, that, that approach, no question. I, I don't think that the current government
1: is any interest in making friends in certain parts of, of, of Europe, and I don't think this is high up on the EU's, gen, EU's agenda either. Much as I wish it were... And I think also if if you are going to rely on a potential incoming Keir Starman government, I remember back in ninety seven as a very naive, optimistic undergraduate writing a letter to Chris Smith, the culture secretary, because I think the opposition Labour Party at the time had said that they would return the, the models. And he replied to me and said, uh, sadly, it couldn't be done. And that was a a big blow for me. And I worry that that's what's going to happen again if you put too much um, weight on an incoming Labour government.
0: Well, yes and no. But what Tess said about the building of the Acropolis Museum, 1997 is 12 years before the new Acropolis Museum. That transformed, that dimension of the debate. No longer could the British government or anybody in the British Museum say, well, you know what, there's nowhere for them to go or they won't be looked after properly. Au contraire, the research capacity of the Acropolis Museum is immense. And it has discovered things about the marbles using the latest, in especially laser infrared technology, that the British Museum never did. So um, there's no question on that score. So possibly Starmer will have to think of another reason for not bringing it up.
2: I find it's Lucy Powell. I think the Shadow Secretary for State, uh, Digital Culture, Media and Sport, rather a large portfolio. I hope the marbles don't get lost in that.
0: Oh, quite. Uh,
2: I think... We, but we should all start writing to Lucy Powell. I mean, the more high Hedians that hobnobble her, um, it, 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 she can't then sort of avoid it. There should be not well, a, a sort of a bombardment. Is,
0: but no, quite right. I don't think we have approached her, unless uh, informally, uh, shami who is, of course, a Labour peer, has. But on the other hand, we have bombarded the trustees, the chairman of trustees, to no effect whatsoever. We have indulged in freedom of information searches, which have been quite interesting because they reveal how high a priority when a trustee who's been nominated, and they're, of course, all nominated by various bodies, has a a little interview just to vet them before they take up the position. The marbles is about number three or four. What is your view on the marbles? So we know the British Museum gives it the highest priority. We also know... British Museum wants currently a lot of money in order to redevelop all the galleries holding ancient Greek stuff including the Divine Gallery so your point Tessa we should really have a go we are having a go it's just it's damn difficult to get through you can bombard something but then if they just block um, that that's the end of the bombardment.
2: But I wonder if we don't make it something of an election winner we know that Uh, Labour's become, not the Remain party, but in a way it needs to steal, certainly in some constituencies, off the Liberals, also off the Tories. Lucy Powell, if she could be told, shown that 59% of Brits, even if you're just a random layperson who's, they want the marbles to go back to Greece we That's want to feel fine. good about ourselves it's like a national purging
1: isn't this a metropolitan elite discussion that really has no bearing on the day-to-day struggles of the up British this, electorate
0: uh, point. that issue was raised uh, on the uh, the very uh, initial parliamentary investigation of Elgin's case he wanted to sell the marbles the government set up a Commission and uh, went on for quite some time, and that issue precisely: why should if someone said uh, probably a Tory? Why do we care so much about these stones? Shouldn't we be caring about bread? But um, the two things should go together; they shouldn't be opposed. I don't think. But in pragmatic terms, I'm sure you're correct. I'm sorry if I'm coming across sounding a little bit too pragmatic and, i.e., reactionary and rather less rebellious than I ideally would like to. But I've done this now for 40 plus years. As Tessa said, it's more than half my adult life I've been involved with this. And the reaction and the rejection gets to you after a while. Nevertheless, (laughs) I'm not unconfident. Things have got a lot better. Can I just say, because we're
1: getting to the end of time, and I know some of us have urgent appointments, to our listeners who are interested in either... Okay, for those listeners who don't think they should be returned, I wonder what what message you would say to them. Perhaps Paul first.
0: Well, um, politically speaking, this is an intergovernmental matter and it would be immensely to our advantage as a country, and we are currently in very bad repute in many parts of the world, but Europe and the EU are our closest neighbours and allies if we were to make such a gesture as a government, which would cost us relatively little, except as a transport cost. This is surely a wonderful way of appealing to a very worldwide, but especially European constituency.
2: I think this is so vital. We've got so lost in a sort of political quagmire of fear and misinformation. It was recent migrant statistics over 600,000 you know we didn't celebrate the fact we've let Ukrainians and people from Hong Kong in oh dear me no we self-flagellated but what we yeah. didn't say was over 200,000 EU citizens returned to their countries and we're losing this extraordinary goodwill we had Banks and banks of goodwill in those countries, particularly to the east, you know France and Germany are always going to be a bit sore about Britain that we, we like to think that we're sort of on a par with them economically and in terms of our cultural history. but you know the, the the countries further east they wanted to they always had an affection for Britain that in some ways they didn't have for the access of power in europe those the, the, those those central European countries. and I just feel we've we've lost that goodwill but it can be regained and this is a way of doing it and it speaks beyond the Greek borders it speaks more broadly to what was once termed new Europe you know uh, very patronizingly a whole community of countries that want to be considered and are more than equal You know, we need to stop referring to them as perfidious and think of them as fruit pickers who only don't come to Britain anymore because of Brexit. Actually, no, they've they've come through extraordinary periods of history. Yes, Greek wasn't behind the Iron Curtain, we know that, but it had its civil war, it had difficult periods, but we've shored up our own democratic ideals on what they gave us, thank you very much. They are an extraordinary country in their own right and they deserve to show off their heritage and actually profit from it. How dare us? Continue to profit from it. That's what makes me angry as well. Let's not pretend this isn't also about money. But this is more than money. It's priceless. And don't conflate it with diamonds and don't conflate it with bronzes because they're absolutely separate. This is bigger. And Ollie, you gave me this phrase when I went to battle on GB News, no less. They are the soul of Greece. They are the soul of Greece. How dare we, Britain? How dare we hold on to them?
0: Nicely put.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right and one thing i think we can all agree on we're at the beginning of summer as a lot of people listening maybe will be going to greece on their holidays they should definitely visit the acropolis museum
2: not just visit post on instagram challenge the status quo say why the hell yes. is is this acropolis museum got large spaces i mean that in itself is a political shot in the foot every visitor to that museum is reminded of our pilfering
1: ways (laughs) correct great stuff thanks so much for for having you both on Paul has been a a wonderful and real honor thank you and Tessa thanks thanks.
2: just to remind us just to remind everyone the name of the incumbent shadow secretary for digital cultural media and sport is Lucy Powell she's going to be in all our inboxes I think today's the day I mean we've got the emeritus professor of what is your exact title paul just so that we can know when we write to her
0: emeritus professor of greek culture (laughs) yeah do do you think there's a do you
1: have a time do, do you think realistically how long do you think it will take paul
0: 20 years, in other words when this generation, which is still um, post-Second World War neo-colonial in its mentality, when lots of things have happened, um, gosh, when finally the Ukraine issue is sorted, and when this country comes to its senses, because we've gone partly because of the pandemic but partly because of a surge of bonkers nationalism into this remote pariah status, I feel extremely disp- depressed and disappointed disappointed. disappointed about our standing in the world and anything we can do to repair it. This will be high on the agenda when our country starts to get its confidence back and starts to behave decently again.
2: That's really true. And I noticed that I do a lot and have done uh, for many years a lot of work in Romania. I make no secret of that. It's why I came across this idea of a Balkan rubric, this kind of bundling countries together in an arrogant way that we've been doing for nearly two centuries. And um, I'm very struck now compared to when I used to go saying I'm doing something for the BBC, doors were just open. Arguably, they didn't. I, I didn't deserve for them to be so open. I could just sort of waltz in and interview the president, and no problem. And and now I'm going back out there to find out to find those returning Romanian migrants, and um, it, it's it's much harder. It, I, I met, but I met with. There's grit in the oyster now. You know, there isn't that the welcome I once got, and, and and they're right. You know, why why should Britain have been put on a pedestal in many respects? Uh, it, it's it's about time we accounted for for past misdemeanors and for also a sort of a presumption, an exceptionalism that, that 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 we believed was God given to us when in fact a lot of it just came from the Second World War and the fact that we weren't compromised by occupation or some such. Right. Uh, and I think that it has changed, and and now is the time to start righting wrongs. And for people who say that don't conflate bread with marbles Uh, Paul's absolutely right the two go together because how do you improve trade how do you improve relations you improve them with soft power and it's what Britain actually has historically always been quite good at so it would be a shame to squander it now
0: well
1: said great stuff well thank you both for joining me for this illuminating chat and I will put a link into the show notes so that so that all listeners can write to Lucy Powell To encourage her to request or demand the return of the marbles. I do hope she's got enough email storage to receive all the emails because I'm sure I've managed to convince those who maybe were a little skeptical at the beginning of this conversation. I'm convinced they've been turned.
2: Having Googled her, I'm feeling very hopeful. Young, female.
1: Absolutely. Thank (laughs) you. Right. Thank you, Arlene. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more, there are plenty of links in the show notes to get in touch with various politicians if you feel passionately enough. There are debates on GB News and The Spectator, as well as links to learn more about why it's so important to Greece. Plenty more great history coming up on this pod, including UK and US espionage, Oliver Cromwell, Tom Holland, and great British commanders. In the meantime, thank you and good night.